The Lord be with you. You know, they didn't ask for any of this. Mary and Hagar. They didn't ask for an angel to show up and say, Hey, wondrous news, you're about to give birth to a child who's going to change the world. Yeah, they didn't ask for that. In fact, they didn't really get a choice. Hagar, if you've forgotten who she is in the Bible, Hagar is a slave. She's the slave of Abraham and Sarah. And as a reminder, God made a promise to Abraham. God said to Abraham, you're going to have so many descendants that they're going to be more numerous than the stars in the sky or than the grains of sand on the beach. Except Abraham is now well into his 80s and he doesn't have any kids. And so his wife Sarah says, you know, Abraham, I've got this slave girl. Her name's Hagar. Why don't you make a baby with her? Then we'll at least have a kid. Hagar doesn't get a choice in the matter. But Abraham does. And even though Hagar doesn't get a choice, she does get pregnant. And here's, to me, one of the most curious things. It's Sarah's idea to do this, right? To make Hagar get pregnant. But when Hagar does get pregnant, you know who gets mad about it? Sarah. Because suddenly Hagar has something that Sarah doesn't. She has a baby growing in her womb. And so Sarah mistreats Hagar until Hagar runs away, runs away into the desert. Hagar didn't ask for this. To be fair, Mary didn't ask for this either. Mary is a teenage girl minding her own business when an angel shows up and says, guess what, you're about to have a baby. And Mary says, you know, I know how babies are made, and I didn't do that, so how's this going to work? And the angel says, you know what, with God... Anything is possible. That idea that all things are possible with God is a lot more exciting when you want the impossible thing than when you didn't ask for it. So no, Mary and Hagar, they didn't ask for this and they didn't get a choice in the life that God is bestowing upon them. But they're not alone in that, because I don't know about you, but God didn't ask me if I wanted this life. Right? God didn't say to me, hey, Ben, how, how would you feel about being born on July 13, 1985 in Walla Walla, Washington, to this set of parents? Does that sound good to you? No. God didn't ask me that. I just got this life. And this life continues giving me all sorts of things that I don't ask for. I get sick. God doesn't check with me ahead of time. I get rear-ended. God has the audacity not to check if it's convenient for me. My wife and I, we actually were trying to have our daughter, but she sure didn't show up on the schedule we planned. Mary and Hagar, they share something with us. They share a life that they didn't ask for. And we may not get a choice in the life that God gives us, but what we see through these two women is we get a choice in what that life means. Hagar and Mary make three choices that I want to talk about in the scriptures today. And the first one is the choice about what do you name God? In the Bible, God names a lot of people. God names Adam. God even names Abraham and Sarah. Or I should say God renames them because they started off being named Abram and Sarai. 
But God says, no, I'm going to name you Abraham and Sarah. But of all the people that God names in the Bible, there is only one person in the Bible who names God, who says, God, I'm going to call you this. And that person is Hagar, a runaway pregnant slave. She is the person who names God. And here's the trick. Even though there's only one person in the Bible who explicitly names God, the truth is every single one of us also name God. We name God every time we decide who God is for ourselves. And sometimes we look at the life that God gives us with all its trials and tribulations and hardships, and we say, you know what? You know who God is, God? You are cruel. You are the tormentor. Or sometimes we say, you know what? God, you are the arbitrary one. The non-existent one. The one who doesn't even care what's happening in my life right now. But Hagar, in an incredible act of faith, names God El Roy, which is Hebrew, and it means the God who sees me. She says, God, you are the God who sees me. And by naming God thus, she has made a statement of faith that this God is not giving her a life that is arbitrary, random, or cruel, that this God is a God who knows who she is, unique person in this world, different from everyone else. And the life that God has given her, God gives her, because God knows who she is at her core. And so God gives her this life for a reason and for a purpose. She may not know what it is, but she trusts God has seen her and gives her this life for a reason. And perhaps because Mary has heard that Hagar had the audacity to name God the God who sees me, Mary makes a second choice. And Mary's choice is what do we name ourselves? Because here's the thing. We all get to tell the story of our own lives. We tell it to other people. And most importantly, we tell the story of our own lives to ourselves. And when we tell the story of our lives, we get to cast what role we have in that story. Right? We can cast ourselves as the heroic defender, protecting the weak in our life. Or perhaps in our life, we are the misunderstood villain. The person who makes the hard choices no one else wants to make. Or maybe... We're the innocent victim, suffering because of the cruel injustice of others. And you know what? Mary could have easily chosen that last role for herself, right? This angel shows up, you're going to have a kid you didn't expect, you didn't want. But no. Mary chooses another name for herself. She says, here I am, the servant of my Lord. And that word, servant, the Greek word is doula. Is doula. Some of you have a little recognition there because that word has come to mean something very specific in our society. In ancient Greek, it just means female servant or female slave. But in our society, doula has come to mean someone who commits themselves to helping another person bring forth life to supporting and guiding another person as they give birth into this world. 
Doulas today, they call themselves this, knowing that it means servant or slave. They do this not because they do their work unwillingly, because they're forced to do this work. No, they do it because they know that bringing forth life into this world is dangerous. It's painful. But it's also sacred. And so doulas are willing to submit themselves to the will and desire of the person bringing forth life into this world because for them there is no higher honor than to be a part of bringing forth that life. This is the name that Mary chooses for herself. The doula of the Lord. She is not some innocent victim being forced to do something against her will. She is a willing slave who has committed herself to bringing forth the life that she doesn't yet know, but trusts that God has given her specifically for a reason. Which brings us to the third choice we get to make which is what we name this life that we are given. The Bible tells us in Genesis 1 that when God sees each and everything, each and every life that God makes, God sees that what God makes is good. And indeed, the first promise we receive in our baptism is that the life God has given us is good. And when the archangel Gabriel shows up to Mary, he's trying real hard right out of the gate to convince her that the news he's going to bring her is good. He says, blessed, O favored one, you have found favor with God. So what I'm about to tell you, remember, it's a favor. But it can be hard to believe that. It can be hard to believe that for Mary because the book of Deuteronomy is very clear that if a woman is engaged and Mary is engaged to be married. Once they get married, if the man finds out the woman has been making babies prior to him, well, that woman will be taken in front of her parents' tent and stoned to death. It's a real hard thing to convince people you haven't been making babies if you show up with a baby. The news that the angel brings to Mary is a death sentence. And not just for her alone, for Hagar also. The angel says to Hagar, go back. Go back to Abraham and Sarah and submit to them. Go back to your slave masters who forced you to get pregnant, who have hurt you for doing what they demanded. Go back to them and submit to them. That too sounds like a death sentence. And I'll tell you what, every single one of us, with this life that God has given us, we are also given a death sentence. Because as the saying goes, none of us gets out alive. And so the question becomes, what is this life that we have been given? Is it a blessing, or is it a curse? Hagar. When God says to her, I am going to give you this child. God says to her, I'm going to give you children and descendants that are innumerable. And your son is going to be a wild donkey of a man who's going to be always fighting with other people. And I will tell you what, to me that does not sound like good news. 
But God isn't giving that life to me. God is giving that life to Hagar, right? God is the one who sees her, who sees what she wants and sees what she needs. And maybe for this runaway slave who feels all alone and powerless in this world, what she needs is a big family who's willing to fight. Maybe that's what she needs. I think it is because when she gives birth to her child, she names him, at God's instruction, Ishmael. And what Ishmael means is, God hears. God not only sees her, God has heard her cry and her need, and God has answered it in this life, which on the outset looks so terrible, but is perhaps perfect for her. Mary, she gets a little easier news, right? Her son is going to be the son of the Most High God. He's going to inherit the throne of David and of his kingdom. There will be no end. That seems pretty legit. But even for her, that's a promise that hasn't yet come to pass. Someday, he will be a king. Someday, he will have a kingdom. But for right now, she only has a problem. She only has a death sentence. She has what could be a curse, but instead of cursing the life that God is giving her in that moment, Mary says, let it be. Let it be according to your word. And with those simple words, Mary transforms what is being done to her to something that she claims for herself. Mary transforms unexpected news into her own will. Mary goes from being a bystander in her life to being the one who blesses it, who calls it forth into being alongside God. Let it be. In that moment, she declares her life to be good. Not just because God has said it is, but because she says it is. Mary and Hagar, they don't ask for this. They aren't given a choice in the life that God has given them, but they make choices. They make three choices. Choices of faith. Choice to name who God is. A choice to name who they are. And a choice to name what this life God has given them is. And because they name God the God who sees me. Because they name themselves doulas, servants of the Most High God. Because they name this, God, this life as a blessing. They transform what they have received. Yes, their children will go forth to change the world, but their faith has changed their lives already. And friends, just like Mary and Hagar, you have been given a life you didn't ask for. You've been given a life that you didn't choose, and it comes with a death sentence. And so you have a choice with this life. Who will you name the God who gave it to you? Who will you name yourself within it, and what will you name this life to be? May you, like Mary and Hagar, name God as the God who sees you. Name yourself as the doula of the Lord, the willing servant of God. May you name this life to be a blessing, good, not because God has said it is, but because you have said it is. Friends, the life that God brings forth from you in Christ will change the world, but your faith 
has the power to change your life right now. Amen.